This is the Danny Parkin Show. One hour to go on the Danny Parkin Show, CBS Sports Radio, Radio.com Sports, Sirius 206, over 200 affiliates across the country. I do afternoons on 670 The Score, Monday through Friday, right here in Chicago, which was where I'm broadcasting now. We are coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studio. Rocket Mortgage is with you every step of the way to provide a seamless mortgage experience. I appreciate you hanging out with me, hopefully each and every Sunday night. 855-212-4CBS is the telephone number. That's 855-212-4227. Baseball often doesn't resonate beyond your local market. I get it. People mistake that to say that baseball is dying and it's not. You can make a hundred bucks with a hundred dollar bill. That's the NFL. Or you can make a hundred bucks with fives and singles. That's major league baseball, but they both have a hundred bucks. Both are thriving business models. Both. If a team goes up for sale instantly has multiple bidders trying to buy into it. This is a business that works. It's just a business that works a little bit differently. But like the NFL, like the NBA, it is not perfect. And it is a distant third in terms of keeping up with the times. We can measure that by median age of World Series viewer being significantly older than median age of Super Bowl viewer or NBA Finals viewer. Or if you really want to go for like millennial Gen Z following, we're the ones who are mostly living our lives on our phone and on social media. If you look at Twitter, Major League Baseball has, I think last check, over 8 million Twitter followers. The NBA and NFL both have three times that number. They just do a bad job of appearing cool to young people. And this isn't new. It's just exacerbated because of the ways that we can measure that now. Not just through old school traditional ratings, but through things like social media engagement, clicks on YouTube, Twitter follows, Instagram accounts, uh, advertising rates for star players in endorsement deals. Like We can just measure the Q rating of a sport in a lot more tangible ways now than we could 20 years ago and baseball struggling. And one of the problems that baseball, in my opinion, struggles with is abject stupidity. And you say that's harsh, but it's got a problem with hypocrisy. And I honestly feel like, we could add a segment to this show because I'm watching. I watch so much baseball because Chicago's a big baseball town. The White Sox are finally on the right side of their rebuild, playing interesting baseball with meaningful players. And the Cubs have won more games than any team, them and the Dodgers, since 2015. So it's the golden era of Cubs baseball, and the White Sox are coming out of the tough times of a rebuild and starting to get interesting. It's one of three two-team cities. 
Uh, L.A. only kind of counts. New York and Chicago definitely count for it. And L.A. not as a slam to L.A., but just in terms of the enthusiasm and then the, the distance between Anaheim and Los Angeles. Angels of Anaheim, more for marketability and the Dodgers and that whole thing. There's really two cities that are two baseball team towns who really care, and it's New York and Chicago. And so I'm watching a ton of baseball, and so I just see so much stupidity. Whether it's about retribution, whether it's about nets, whether it's about bat flips, we'll get to all, we'll get to some of that in a second about nets, especially. But Blue Jays, Red Sox, exciting, young, hard throwing pitcher with personality, Marcus Stroman. He gets a strikeout, and. Uh, he does the pitcher equivalent, we'll say, of a bat flip. Dennis Eckersley's on the call for the Red Sox television. You will hear what Marcus Stroman does upon getting his strikeout here. But when when he's turning around to the opposing dugout, that's tired. Well, there was supposed to be a strikeout with a scream attached to it. He strikes the guy out, and he lets out like a primal scream. And then play what Dennis Eckersley just said again, if you don't mind. But when when he's turning around to the opposing dugout, that's tired. It's tired. I don't like you showing me up, showing up my team, screaming on the field, even though it's emotion, it's interesting, it's uh, an old baseball fans will think this is ridiculous, but it's easily digestible. Like, I know some... Young kids who like baseball, nephews, friends of them, that sort of thing. They watch the condensed game or the YouTube clips on MLB. You watch a three and a half hour baseball game in six minutes. That's just how we consume media by and large today, right? Marcus Stroman striking out a Red Sox player and having a primal scream on the mound is interesting. It's a little different. It's got personality attached to it. And then it's rich that Dennis Eckersley would be the one to criticize and say that that's not how you do things because this audio, the pitching ninja put this together, one of the best baseball Twitter accounts out there, found this from an old ESPN classic. You'll hear George Brett talking about how he hated Dennis Eckersley and Dennis Eckersley talking about how he approached striking guys out and talking trash on the mound. I didn't like it when he would strike somebody out and shoot him as they're going back to dugout or when he would do that thing with his hip when he would get the third out of the game. It drove me crazy. I hate him. Am I supposed to wave to the guys going, how's the wife and kids? I had a chip on my shoulder. I didn't like who I played against. So that is Dennis Eckersley saying he had a chip on his shoulder. He didn't care for or like who he was playing against. And he would do, that was George Brett saying that when he would strike you out, he would do the gun motion at you. Like, ha, gotcha. And then do his little fist pump. So how could Dennis Eckersley, one of the greatest closers of all time, go from gun motion, hip pocket, Tiger Woods fist pump, all of the things that Dennis Eckersley did on the mound to 
25 years later, whatever it is, saying that Marcus Stroman's doing too much when he screams. You ever had a conversation with your parents about the music that you listen to? And they'll say, this is trash. Back in my day, we had real artists. Back in my day, it was Biggie and Tupac, not just this auto-tune. Back in my day, it was Rolling Stones. It was Bruce Springsteen. Every generation for the history of forever, rock and roll was going to be the downfall of society. Metal was going to be the downfall of society. Disco was going to be the downfall of society. Hip-hop was going to be the downfall of society. Pop music was going to be the downfall of society. Like It's just a thing that we do, right? Everybody, every older generation thinks that the generation that's coming beyond them is soft, is weak, is wrong, is classless, whatever the case may be. And I always find it baffling that like, hey, you guys said the same thing to defend your music or you guys were protesting and you guys were smoking pot and you guys were doing this. And why are you judging all of us? Like it's nonsense. So that hypocrisy, it seems like it happens. And like, I'm going to have to fight hard against that because I'm still a younger guy. By I'm, I don't know. I'm 32 years old. I consider myself younger. Sometimes I feel old, whatever. It doesn't matter. Old soul. But when I get old and as I get older, I'm going to have to fight actively against fearing change. Fearing what's different. And I don't get exactly how it happens you just be called old and stubborn and stuck in your ways or whatever the case like I don't really get why it happens I just know that it does happen and since baseball is older than the other sports and is more traditional than the other sports baseball's got the worst problem with it and I don't think it's too much of a dot to connect of a line to draw to say that's why they got a problem with young people. Marcus Stroman should be celebrated. Tim Anderson should have been celebrated for his bat flip, bat toss, whatever it was. Bryce Harper, make baseball fun again. Like they, they say one thing, let the kids play. And then they do another thing. And you have, Guys throwing at each other, guys talking about showing up the game, guys talking about disrespect, and and then the guys who are doing it are the ones who in their generation, the generation before them was like Tennis Eckersley, disrespecting the game with his facial hair and his fist pumping, classless. Back in my day, when we walked uphill both ways, to Ebbets Field, our pitchers, you know, they were they were only white, but they had no swag. And back in my day, you didn't have facial hair. George Steinbrenner would not have allowed it. It's just such nonsense. Fun isn't bad. And baseball has this weird conflict with fun they have been in conflict with social media and video rights before 
They have been in conflict with video game franchises. They have been in conflict with personality of offensive players. They have been in personality now or in conflict with personality of pitchers. And it's just tiresome. It's just really tiresome. And literally 10 seconds ago, Skylar Poland tweets in, trust me, the young guys love Tim Anderson. These old guys on MLB TV can't understand that. And that's okay. It's not okay. Because the people on MLB TV are the ones who are talking to your customers. Like the idea, and I don't know that he feels that, but like you got Pedro Martinez on MLB Network. The idea that Pedro Martinez or someone on that network who employs him could have a problem with swag and flair is so laughably hypocritical to me that I don't get the cognitive dissonance. Like I don't get how you could walk through life that way and just not know that you were a fraud. And again, I'm not saying that Pedro has a negative opinion on it at all. I'm just saying a network that employs it. Like, how could you possibly celebrate those types of players in your era just because they were your era and then frown upon it in this era? It's such a bad look. And say what you will about the NFL. They came around on touchdown dances and celebrating and realized that it was good for business. The NBA, guys can wear all sorts of different shoes, show their personality, do all sorts of deals. It's dunking, whatever the case may be. No one says anything. It's just so old school and so clearly counterculture to what's popular in sports today. That Marcus Stroman screaming after a big strikeout ruffles Dennis Eckersley's feathers when he literally would do a gun motion to dudes after he struck him out. I hate hypocrisy. I hate logical fallacies. And I swear to you, baseball has a new one every single week. It looks like they might finally, slowly but surely, though, be getting something right that'll benefit all of us. We'll get into that coming up. Then it's last but not least. This is the Danny Parkin Show, CBS Sports Radio. This is the Danny Parkin Show. And the Danny Parkin Show is on CBS Sports Radio, where our toll-free line is 855-212-4227. It's brought to you by GEICO. Great news. There's a quick way you could save money. Switch to GEICO. Go to GEICO.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. If I was going to crush baseball for just their latest bout with fun, like who plays defense against fun better than Major League Baseball? It's just so silly. This week, it's Dennis Eckersley. Next week, it'll be something else. Uh, They also often struggle with logic, and it's an odd thing because I feel like I have to give a couple of teams credit for doing something that should have happened 20 years ago. So Cody Bellinger hit a foul ball. It smoked a fan. Fan had to go to a hospital for testing. That after last week at a White Sox game, a fan, a female fan got hit in the face and bloodied and had to go to the hospital and stay overnight and get her car the next day. That after in a Cubs Astros game, Albert Almora hit a foul ball that hit a toddler 
a four-year-old girl who had to be rushed to a hospital. This, of course, after last year, a Dodgers fan died after being hit by a foul ball at a game, an elderly woman. And, you know, you would think that someone dying would have made Major League Baseball extend the nets even further than they did and made it mandatory before this year and go foul pole to foul pole like they do uh, in Japan and in other Asian ballparks. But no, they didn't. And then after Albert Almora and the incident that hit the child, Rob Manfred came out, the commissioner of Major League Baseball, and said that they will continue to have discussions and look into it, but there's not going to be anything mandatory in season. I couldn't believe it. We talked about it on this show. I talked about it on my local show. Plenty of national baseball people chimed in and said, wait, what? It's a net. It's not a new skybox. It's not a new scoreboard. It's just a net. Every team has a 10-day road trip. Just, like, extend the net. It's not hard. Figure it out. Well, the White Sox actually were the first team to come out and say, yeah, we're going to extend the netting. Foul pole to foul pole. In season. The Rangers announced that their new ballpark that opens up coming up next year is going to have netting extended. Foul pole to foul pole. The Tigers have said the same thing. And then the Nationals did it. And uh, Mark Lerner, their owner, actually wrote a letter that I thought was interesting. And they posted it on their uh, on their website. Dear Nationals fans, today we announced additional protective netting will be installed at Nationals Park during the All-Star break. Ultra Cross Knotless Dyneema protective netting will be installed, replacing the existing netting and extend to just short of the right and left field corners. Knotless netting offers a higher degree of transparency than the traditional knotted netting. The netting will be designed so that certain sections over each dugout can be raised pregame to foster fan interactions with players. Over the past few weeks, we have seen several fans injured by bats and balls leaving the field of play at other stadiums. I could not help but become emotional last month watching the Astros-Cubs game when a four-year-old little girl was hit by a line drive. I can't imagine what her parents must have felt in that moment, and to see the raw emotion and concern from Albert Almora Jr. was heartbreaking. Further extending the netting at Nationals Park will provide additional protection for our fans. If you are concerned about this change or have questions, you can reach a member of our service team by calling. And then he gets the phone number and the email address. Thank you for your continued support, and we look forward to seeing you at Nationals Park. Sincerely, Mark. Mark Lerner, the principal, owner, and managing partner of the Washington Nationals. That's beautiful. It's logical. And four of the 30 teams have pledged to do it. Like, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. It's so weird to me. It's so strange. And even the Nationals, like, they say, like, hey, we're going to design it because we know that you like your autographs and you like having the players throw you a ball, and we like that too. And so we're going to make a section in the netting that can raise and lower so that, you know, before the game and during batting practice, you can still interact with the players. As if the NFL hasn't had a net behind the goalposts that rise and lower 
for years and years to save the ball that gets kicked from the extra point of the field goal from going into the crowd. And that's a football that's kicked. This is a baseball that's hit going 100 plus miles an hour when your tickets are on your phone. When the scoreboard at every Major League Baseball stadium is like, hey, if you check in on the MLB ballpark app and then report to the concourse level in section 212, we'll give you a free ice cream sundae in a Phillies signature helmet. It's so obvious. Attendance will not go down because of it. It will take you moments for your eyes to adjust. You will be safe. And oh yeah, by the way, people are like, ah, just get off your phones and watch the game. Look at your phones between inning. Even if you were watching the game with a glove, you could still take a batted ball to the dome. You know how I know that? Because it happens to Major League Baseball players all the time. Either guys make errors because it's really hard to catch a ball, or ball goes off a pitcher on a comebacker, or they have to use their body to get in front of it at short or third. It's hard to catch a baseball going 100 miles an hour. You're like, ah, it's the wussification of society. No, it's just getting smarter. Like, we weren't tougher back in the day when we drove cars with children in the back seat, not in car seats, with the windows rolled up, smoking cigarettes. We weren't tougher back then. We were just stupid. And honestly, back then, we were uninformed. Like, people with lung cancer were like, yeah, this Marlboro's delicious. Like, we were like, I wonder if this is the problem. Eh, never mind. Like, we, we didn't even think about it. We didn't know. Now we know. It's a weird thing. In 2019, we know about things that are bad for you, and we're just like, whatever. I'm going to do it anyway. You can't tell me what to do. Don't protect me from me. I'm a capitalist. I'm an individualist. I'm not a socialist. This isn't socialism. It's a net at a baseball game. They don't want to be liable for a four-year-old going to a hospital or an old woman dying. Seems reasonable. But evidently, Yankees haven't done it. Mets haven't done it. Cubs haven't done it. Phillies haven't done it. Dodgers haven't done it. Why do they need to wait to be told to do it? I don't get it. It's a net. And then when they are told to do it, They'll take complaints for a day, maybe. And a lot of these stadiums, oh, yeah, by the way, in the left field foul territory, right field foul territory, they're not selling those tickets anyway. If you've seen attendance at Major League Baseball, the netting is not your problem. The game's the problem. And I love the game. You may think I'm a baseball hater. I actually love baseball. I just hate stupidity and hate hypocrisy. So we're at four of 30 so far for Major League Baseball. We'll keep a rounding tally on this as we go. Last but not least, coming up next. This is the Danny Parkin Show. 
With time running out, we still have a few questions we didn't get answers to. Danny Parkins gives us his thoughts on a couple of different stories in this week's edition of Last But Not Least. Last but not least, we leave you with the topics that I couldn't get to over the course of the show. My man, Ryan Hickey, the executive producer around here, asks the questions. I give you the answers. I appreciate you all listening to the show. Download and subscribe to the podcast, by the way. Just Danny Parkin Show, wherever you get your podcast, CBSSportsRadio.com, if you need to find it that way. At Danny Parkins on Twitter, Danny Parkins one on Instagram. Feel free to listen to the Chicago Show Monday through Friday if you're liking what you're hearing. But let's get to your questions. Ryan Hickey, what's up, man? Danny, all right. So a viral video was getting passed around social media the other day that featured Cam Newton offering a passenger on a flight $1,500 so they could switch seats because the passenger's uh, seat had more legroom than Cam's did as they were going on a flight. Now, the passenger said no. So if you do the math, the flight was 10 hours long. He would have made $150 per hour just by switching seats. So would you have taken this deal? I would have taken the deal, no question about it, but I love that video an irrational amount. I love everything about this story because it just speaks to us on so many levels. I have so many questions. There's another version of this show where I do four hours just simply on that video. Like, why is Cam Newton flying coach? Did he book last minute? Why did he book last minute? Why did he only ask one person if they want to change seats? Because later on in the video, it shows Cam Newton sitting in the seat without the extra leg room. So... Cam Newton's got nine figures worth of NFL contracts. Cam Newton can afford 1500 bucks. I'm a radio host. I would absolutely switch with Cam Newton, but I wouldn't do it for 1500 You know what I would do it for? Two Gs. Why? Because anyone willing to offer 1500 is willing to offer two Gs. That was just his negotiation. And it's Cam Newton. You know how much money he has. What I don't understand is how come no one else offered up a seat with more legroom? There's first class, and then there's that front row where he was offering with the, you know, like the bulkhead space or whatever. I feel like there was a lot of breakdowns there. Cam Newton's travel agent let Cam Newton down. The people that didn't switch with him let Cam Newton down. Cam Newton should have offered up more money. But what's funny is, man, rich people really hate being uncomfortable on planes. Like, when I went to Europe a couple weeks ago, the guys at the radio station that have been around a lot longer than me and were working in radio during the heyday of radio, when you could do local radio in Chicago and make 600 grand, 800 grand base salary, no problem, like... They were like, you're flying to Europe. You business class or first class? I'm like, man, are you kidding me? I'm attached to the wing. I'm back there in basic economy. They're like, no, I would never do that. Why? Get drunk. Knock yourself out. Watch movies. The plane's going the same spot. Like, yeah, it'd be lovely to be up there. But yo, you upgrade with miles. Man, I don't have those kind of miles. What are you talking about? It's weird what rich people are willing to throw around. It's 
10 hours. Yeah, 10 hours. Uncomfortable. But, like, you sit there for a few hours, then you get uncomfortable, then you wake up or you walk around, stretch your legs, then you sit back down and you're fine again. It's not that bad. But, yeah, if I was 6'5", 250 with 100 million bucks, I might offer up the 1500 too. But I, w- I would have accepted it, like me, Danny Parkins. He definitely could have found someone on that plane. Cam Newton didn't try hard enough, and Cam Newton was let down. I feel bad for Cam Newton. Hope you had a good time in Paris, Cam. Get your life on, man. Fly back, upgrade, business class, at least on the way back. Panthers need you. And you got to protect that shoulder. You can't be brushing shoulders with us peasants and coach. Be careful out there. What's next, Ryan? Just to follow up really quick, I mean, if you're in France, do you try to look for Cam Newton in the airport on the way back and basically just try to auction off your seat with him, knowing well, he, what happened on the way there? Yeah, I mean, his agent saw that video and upgraded him for free and was like, Cam, my man, what are you doing? Fly on it. Take a different flight. Let us work it out with the airline. They'll bump someone. You're Cam Newton. Like, it's just, It's just sloppy all around. My guess is Cam gets asked about it, and he says it was a last-minute plane ticket, and he tried to solve his problem. But I just I just don't understand how no one else – like, how do you hear that offer and no one says yes? No one's interested in an extra 1500 And I'm telling you, negotiate. Just negotiate. I feel like every single person on that plane was dropping the ball in that situation. Cam should have got his seat, and someone should have given up his seat for more money. Not to mention, it's not like their legs would be squished either. I mean, I doubt any of them are seven feet or more where, you know, they'll be their knees. Well, Cam be Newton isn't seven feet tall. He's not in the NBA. He's no, the no, NFL. I meant, sorry, I meant like the passengers that are not willing to give up their more legroom seats. Yeah, it's crazy. It was crazy. They, the, whole, the, the whole thing was insane. But Cam Newton's travel agent let him down. That was, that was the real failure there. What's next? All right, so we'll go on to the Women's World Cup as they enter the knockout stage. And so far, looking back, at least ratings-wise, they've been great. Uh, the U.S. has dominated play, at least specifically here in the United States. Um, during the group play stage, U.S. has been playing great. They outscored their opponents 18-0 over those three games, and that's obviously led to a lot of their popular um, uh, viewing. But also, they've been also uh, around for a lot of control issues. Their celebrations drew a lot of attention when they beat Thailand 13-0, um, drew a lot of criticism from from people for celebrating too much, I think. And their pay scale compared to the men's team has been talked about a lot during this World Cup round. Now, they get underway in the knockout stage. They play Spain in just over nine hours, 11 a.m. Central Time out there in the Midwest time zone for the round of 16. So are you finding yourself interested now in the women's national team? I've been interested more, frankly, if I'm just being honest, in the issues around it than the actual play because they've been so dominant. It's kind of got an NBA feel to me of like, well, let's let's wait for the playoffs. So now that they're in the elimination stage, like, yeah, like tomorrow is pay attention. And and I'm not I'm no soccer expert. I am a casual soccer fan. I enjoy the World Cup, both men's and women's. Um, I will watch like the Euro League final. I, I'm a very casual been to a few MLS games, but you know, I, I enjoy soccer, but I, I'm not a hardcore follower by any means, but they were just so dominant in group play that I actually didn't find myself going out of my way to watch every minute of it. But now that it's the elimination rounds, I'm here for it. And this game is scary. Like 
Spain is better in the world rankings than the team that eliminated them four years ago. And while the U.S. has played in tournaments with three days rest uh, between games before, Spain has had a full week of rest. So Spain is, I think, the 12th ranked team in the world. The U.S. is one. So the gap is not nearly as significant as it was four years ago, the last time they got eliminated. And they have way less rest than their opponent. And it's just a scheduling quirk, and it's just bad luck, and you can't control it, and it's not like anything's out to get them or anything working against them or anything like that. But as one of the co-favorites of this tournament, and someone who, you know, they they, they could use another cup win for all of those other issues to justify, I don't care about the celebrations, that was small and petty, but... The U.S. women's national team absolutely has a legitimate argument for equal pay compared to their men. Now, in like society, obviously, it's absurd that women don't have equal pay for equal work. But in sports, there are differences in terms of revenue, ratings, viewership, sponsorship, that sort of thing. Like WNBA players are not going to make the same as NBA players for all of those reasons. The ratings are not as high. Sponsorships aren't sold as high. Attendance isn't as high. Ticket prices, et cetera. But the women's national team does sell out, and they are actually good, and they do actually win, and the ratings are actually high. Like The women's national team has a legitimate gripe and beef with their paying be different from the men's national team. So I hope they win. I hope they get their equal pay, and I hope that this scheduling quirk doesn't derail it because I think a lot of people are like, like the, the ratings are strong for group play, but the further they go into the elimination rounds, and if we get them against France, like that's going to that's gonna be probably among the most, if not the most, women's watched women's soccer event ever since that first World Cup win. So I'm, I'm here for it, but I am nervous about this game against, against Spain tomorrow. That, that is a really tough schedule break. That they got. What's next? So we'll wrap up with this since we highlighted baseball's issues for almost a whole hour here. There was reports of Rays possibly thinking about splitting their home games in between Tampa and Montreal going forward in the hopes of trying to increase attendance in the Tampa area, maybe even push as a political play for a new stadium in the area. The Rays currently second to last in average attendance as they get about just under 1,400 fans Per game, I mean, 14,500 fans per game, excuse me. Still a lot of hurdles to clear if this was to come to fruition, but is there any validity to the idea of Tampa splitting their home games between Tampa and Montreal? Nope. There is no validity to it whatsoever. This is, in my opinion, very clearly a negotiating ploy. Tampa Bay has an attendance problem. Tampa has a lease with the city through 2027. The mayor has said they're not letting them out through then. Tampa needs a new stadium. It'd be expensive to build a dome. If they build a stadium without a roof, there's lots of times when the rain and, you know, hurricane season, that sort of thing can be a problem for Tampa. So the idea is play the games early in Tampa and play the games later in Montreal. Cool. It'd be great to get baseball back in Montreal. You could build two new stadiums. And you wouldn't have to put a roof on either of them. So the construction costs would be cheaper. But those will probably still be publicly funded taxpayer stadiums. It's idiotic. 
The players would be furious. You'd have to deal with compensation, housing costs, family. Are you moving kids during school? It, it'll never work. That will never work. But if you've ever been in any sort of negotiation or been privy to details of any sort of high leverage negotiation, you know that sometimes you ask for things knowing you're not going to get them. But if uh, I'm asking for A and you respond with Q, maybe you meet in the middle at J and that's where you move into the negotiations. And that's what this feels like to me. This feels like just a... Oh, yeah, yeah, we'll take away half your games. Now pony up. I think Tampa, I think the Rays move entirely before something like this happens. I just don't know how you'd be able to field a competitive team. I will give you points for creativity, but I don't think it could work in any sport. You've got the Jaguars playing a game in London or the Bills playing a game in Toronto. It can't happen for the majority of a season. And in the NFL, it's one thing. Because the NFL doesn't, they rely more on TV money. Baseball still needs attendance. Not as much as TV money, but they could still use it. And it's just too many games. 41 in one place, 40 in another. It's, it's nonsense. So I would put that at happening at approximately 0%. But again, points for creativity. Matt Ehalt was in the clubhouse when the Mets popped off. We appreciate his visit. Chris Stone from Sporting News on the NBA draft as well. Brian McKeon and Dave Edinger kept me on the air. John Fass handled the updates. Ryan Hickey is my executive producer. Follow me on Twitter at Danny Parkins. My name is Danny Parkins. After Hours with Danny Lawrence coming up next. This is the Danny Parkins Show, CBS Sports Radio.